Hello and welcome to another episode of Preview Review. This is the Preview Review Podcast where we review uh, upcoming trailers. We don't talk about movies that have already come out unless we're doing Ryan's Review Roundup, which we're going to do in a bit. But for right now, we're just going to enter the podcast. I'm Ryan and this is my co-host Tyler, who's always here. Right, Tyler? Are we listening on two times speed right now? or I just wanted to get this stuff out of the way because we got a lot of good movies to talk about. <laughs> oh, okay, 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 okay. Sorry, I wasn't expecting us to be on hyperspeed for the intro this week. I mean... Was anybody. I wasn't even until I opened my mouth. All right. Good to know you have no plan. I never do. <laughs> Welcome to the preview review, uh, beloved listeners. Ryan already told you what this whole podcast is about, so we don't have to we don't have to worry about talking about that this time. Yeah, we're not gonna double down on it. I already did it real fast. Let's jump into Ryan's review roundup. Ryan, you have already seen movies that we've previously preview reviewed on this podcast, and now you must tell us what you see, what you think. I saw the movie I'm Thinking of Ending Things, and it's on Netflix, and this is a Netflix film. I give Ryan stamp of approval. That's a whip, but I was trying to make a stamp sound, but I did the stamp motion with my hand, but the whip noise came out of my mouth, so that's what we're dealing with today. But anyway, I'm Thinking of Ending Things is really good. It's a uh, really weird. It's not really a horror movie like we thought it was going to be, but it's definitely like a psychological movie. You got to think about it, and I really liked the journey it took me on. I also saw Tenet. I went to the drive-in and I saw Tenet. And uh, it was great in the drive-in. It was not great because it was like 90 degrees out and I was sweating and it was really hot. But the movie was really good. And since there was like a fire nearby, there was like a lot of dark smoke in the air, which made it even darker. So the movie looked better. So that's better. So thank you, fire. Um, The one good thing you've done. (laughs) But the movie was really good. Um, I really liked it. I think... Uh, it doesn't quite live up to the hype, but that's only because the hype has been built up because of the extended delays. If there was no hype around this movie, I think I would have liked it better, if that makes sense. I think my expectations were too high, but mm. I think it's still a good movie, regardless. If you were to rank it with like Nolan's other films, what would it be like immediately above, and what would it be like immediately under? Oh, okay. Um... Well, Interstellar is my least favorite Nolan film that I've seen. So it's above that. It's not the worst. Um, I think it's better than The Dark Knight Rises, which might be my next lowest. But I think it's below every other Nolan film. Okay. I like it. I like it. But I haven't seen all the Nolan films. Right. No, just the ones you've seen. Yeah. And all our listeners know every Nolan film I've seen. It's common knowledge at this point. (laughs) Okay. Well, I was able to see a movie that Ryan hasn't yet Whoa, seen. Whoa, flipping the script. Tyler's review roundup. And Mulan, the 2020 live-action remake of the classic Disney animated Well, I've film. seen the 1998 version, and right. I like that. And that one's better, so just keep watching that <laughs> one. You know, honestly, the 1998 animated version just does a better job balancing out the storyline. Um, I know there's some elements that people might think are problematic, like Mushu and things like that. But also, those are the things that give the film leverage and comedy and help to balance it out. This one feels like very much they're trying to do like a very heartwarming like action movie, which is like a weird like it's weird to find that heartwarming tone. action. Yeah, like it, it's dedicated very that. much to the action sequences, but they're also trying to like build the character of Mulan deeper, but it doesn't go over very well. When I think heartwarming action, I think of like Transformers and Shia LaBeouf is sad when Bumblebee gets hurt. Yeah. And it's like, it just doesn't, it's hard to find the balance of like what like a feel good family movie and an action movie can do without like the comedy that is like brought in through like cricket and mushu and the music the songs and all the stuff that the 1998 version does they even took to out cricket yeah lucky crickets resting in animation but i will say that the cinematography and like set design and all that all the visual elements of this film are very very good it's like it's a very technically well-made movie but i think that thematically and obviously like politically but that's a whole other thing that's going yeah we're not talking about that um it just doesn't hit the mark okay what do you think it would have been a better experience like on the big screen where it was intended to be um yes i absolutely do because so much of the storytelling is like predominantly visual 
Mm-hmm. So all our listeners in China, you have the chance to see this movie on the big screen and Tyler's saying, go for it. Everyone else where you have Disney Plus, all our other international listeners, you got to watch it there. Sorry. Or we could all fly to China. Well, we can't because the U.S. And since they're asking you to boycott this for political reasons, like, don't spend your money on it and just wait until December. <laughs> then you get around it because then you're not, like, spending money on it. Well, I mean, you're still paying for Disney Plus. Right, but, like, that's, like, the dividends that go to, like, Mulan specifically from that are, like, very, very small. You're not giving your, you're giving your money to the Disney Corporation, not to, like, the that's production true. team behind this movie. And unless you're, like, really, really, like, gung-ho about boycotting this film, that means you have to cancel your Disney Plus subscription in December. Well, and the whole boycott thing is, like, based on, like, the one actress, right? Yeah. And, and there's she like already so many got other... her check. So she already other... cashed that check. Well, maybe. Sometimes they have she deals. Could be getting, she could be getting money off of the box office returns. But, but there's no box she, office. And I'm thinking because she's such a, like, a newer star, like, she's not, like, that is, like, for, like, really big, like, big names like robert downey jr bring people to the theater because she's like a a more unknown actress she already got paid she already cashed that check at this point by boycotting it you're just boycotting like i guess like the production team that put this on which maybe also deserves to be boycotted because they didn't like i don't know advocate for the people of hong kong in response to her statements i don't know i don't know the whole situation it's muddled it's a weird thing. It's also this entire production team is white, even though they try to like portray it as like a more authentic telling of like the Chinese folklore, which is like a little problematic. So well, I've this even heard whole... things that like the animated movie is closer to the actual Chinese folklore than the actual the remake. The, is. the, the animated movie might be like better at like realistically like illustrating like authentic Chinese traditions than this movie would. Could I be. definitely have seen because things... this movie like there's a whole thing about like chi. But they, like, treat chi like it's, like, the force in Star Wars. But really, it's, like, in Chinese, like, tradition, it's, like, chi is, like, everybody Like, life energy. Like, nobody has, like, special chi. But this movie tries to be, like, Mulan's chi is, like, the best chi. Oh, sounds like... It's very weird. uh, I don't know, Naruto or something. Yeah, they're trying to be, like, oh, like, she has a warrior's chi, but she's not supposed to be able to use it because she's a woman. But then, like, everybody on Twitter that has been saying, like, no, like, in Chinese tradition, like... Everybody knows that they all have chi. Like, it's not like only boys can use chi. It's weird. It's like blood. It's very Everyone weird. has blood. No one has special blood that makes you more this special. This is too long of a segment for Review Roundup. This is not Mulan talk. We need to get going with the rest of the podcast. I haven't even seen Mulan. You don't need to. I'll watch okay. it in December. I have to have an opinion of my own. But yes, visually, very, very cool. I loved a lot of the action sequences in this film. Mm, but cool. that's about the best thing going for it. Okay, for the opening question this week, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're going to be talking a little bit later about a film called Candyman that's coming out this year. And what, this is Candyman already came out like years ago. No, no, no. This is another entry into the modern canon of rebootquels. Reboot. That's the word reboot and sequel put together. It's to not a remake. A new... It's not a remake where they redo the original story of the first movie of a franchise again or like modernize it like okay. Chucky. Well, yeah. Chucky was like... Yeah, Child's Play. Mm -hmm. Was like a remake, but modernized version of that first Child's Play that came out a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a remake. A reboot is like... War for the Planet of the Apes. Recent Planet of the Apes movies where they're like, oh, let's make some new movies that take place in this continuity, but they don't necessarily like follow the same storyline or characters from the original yeah. series. And especially in that series, because like, there is a character named Caesar in the original films, but it's not the same Caesar, because Caesar is born in the new ones. Yeah. And then, it's not just a, just a straight-up sequel, because it doesn't necessarily follow all of the films of a franchise. Tries. What a rebootquel does is... Well, like, what's a famous reboot goal we might know? Yes, I'm trying. I'm getting there. I'm trying to define it first, and okay. then we'll give example. Define by example. But let me try and first get a definition out. What a reboot goal does is it provides a sequel to one or more installments of a previous franchise, but not necessarily the entirety of the franchise that is existent up until that point. So it like picks and chooses the parts the of canon. the continuity that it wants to carry forward. So recently, Halloween 2018 did this. It's a sequel, but only to the first Halloween movie. 
that came out. The first mm-hmm. one that John Carpenter directed. Not any of the other Halloweens that have come since then, including the one where they tried to do a delayed sequel with Halloween H2O 20 years later. Wasn't that also a reboot? That was kind of a reboot too, but it scraps all that continuity and just says, we're just basing this off of like 40 years later or whatever from the first movie until now. This is the next sequel and none of that other stuff really happened. Okay. This also happened with Terminator Dark Fate, which uh, took... Term- um, yeah, Dark Fate. Is that what it was? The most recent one that just came out, right? It was Dark Fate. Yeah. I don't know. I like that movie, but I barely It was just basing it. it off of Terminator and Terminator 2. Judgment Day. But not like Salvation Rise of the or the Machines or Genesis, any of the other stuff that has happened since Sarah Connor T2. Chronicles. Yes. The stage show at Universal Studios. <laughs> not canon anymore. Yes. So this is what Candyman is doing. It's being a delayed sequel to just the first Candyman, but not any of the other Candyman installments in the Candyman franchise that have occurred since then. Okay. So, with that being said, all this to say, the, the opening, opening question, question is, what is the next franchise that is deserving of a reboot cool? Oh, well, I'm so glad that we took the time to explain reboot cools so we could fully appreciate the genius of this question and the magnificent answers that we're both going well, to have. Well, it's different. Like, a reboot is a very specific type of movie. It is. It's it not is. just asking for a remake. It's not just asking for a sequel, which would be like any of the recent Star Wars movies, or, right? They, they're like, not scrapping what happened in 5 and 6 and just doing a sequel to 4. That'd be crazy. They're straight up, like, saying this is the next 7, 8, 9 that follows all the continuity that already exists. Those are different types of movies than trying and to say... And it's not a prequel. Let's salvage... It's more for a franchise that, like you would say, like, has kind of gone off the rails mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and trying to like get it back to its roots to say, let's just focus in on this the when this franchise elements. was still surviving, like thriving on its own, and just follow up those best parts and not where it went. Okay. Um, for my answer to this, I think we need to reboot Quill Alien. This is going to be the new Alien 3. We're keeping Aliens because it's good. This one's called A Couple More Aliens. It's the third movie in the series. Promise. So we still got Ripley and Newt and Bishop. But Bishop's kind of broken by the end of that movie. But they're still going off. And they're going, trying to get Newt back home to where her home planet was. I don't remember. Did her whole planet die? Maybe. We'll find out in A Couple More Aliens. But since so much time has passed, we have to figure out a way to make it make sense. So we're going to do this. We're going to de-age Sigourney Weaver, but we don't have that much money. So we're only going to do it for five minutes and then she's going to get killed right at the beginning. And everyone's going to be like, oh no. But there'll be a montage that shows uh, Newt growing up and training and rebuilding Bishop. And because Bishop is an android and he's not supposed to age, she changes his face because they can do that and still be the same character. It's just a robot with a different face. So now we've got grown-up Newt, who's a new actress, and rebuilt Bishop, who's a new actor. And Scorny Weaver's there for five minutes, de-aged, and then she dies. But Bishop and Newt are out to find Newt's home world. I love it. A couple more aliens. Get Ridley on the phone. We're ready. Ridley Scott, where are you? <laughs> that's a good answer i like how you how thoroughly you thought about like what the studio would have to do to execute this film with, yeah like, a new cast i mean everything. they tried to do the prequels but not a lot of people liked those and i don't think they're making an, a sequel to alien covenant which was the second prequel so this is the obvious next step in how to revitalize your dead franchise i love it i love it all right here's mine it's a little bit it could be a little bit controversial but i'm just gonna get it off my chest and we'll see how it goes mm, i'm worried we need to reboot cool Indiana Jones. I only want there to be, and this is only serving to get rid of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So wait, it's a sequel <laughs> that movie sucks. To Last one, Crusade? two, and three still stand on their own, but this is now a reboot cool that follows up as if Crystal Skull never happened. No, Mutt and Williams. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Harrison Ford could like be in it. But Harrison Ford can't be the action star anymore. And they tried to bring Shia in, but they still tried to give too much to Harrison. And then there was Aliens for some reason, and it just didn't hit the mark. We need to go back to our roots and do a more Raider-style adventure with a different lead actor that is now, like, inspired by, like, the lore and the legacy and the myth of Indiana Jones. Which is what I think so much of these rebookals thrive on is, like, oh, like, see, now, like... 
Michael Myers, that was a long time ago. That's kind of become urban legend a little bit. But there's like this small group of people that still know that he's a threat out there. That's what Halloween did so successfully. This is what Indiana Jones needs to do and kind of have like this new action star that rises to prominence that is inspired by the work that Indiana Jones has done in the past and goes on a new adventure. Maybe interacts with him a little bit, but he can't be, he can't carry the film anymore. Okay. But then what is your movie going to be called if Indiana Jones isn't the main character? Indiana Jones is like James Bond. It doesn't need to be the same actor every time. Wait, I thought you just said He can take on the mantle. He's just going to take take his name? Why not? He's going to go, hi, Indiana Jones. You're old and dying. Give me your name. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Crazier things have happened. Okay, but I still need to know what what the title of your movie is called. I don't know. Indy, maybe it's like, maybe his like name is some Indy something, like not Indiana, but like it, it can still be abbreviated to Indy. Okay. So he just goes by but Indy. It, so it's not, so maybe you just call the film Indy. Indy. So it's not an Indiana Jones film. It's an Indy film. Yeah. But not like. But um, tss, at <laughs> but, Sundance. <laughs> Coming next year to Sundance. I don't know. I really, I just really fucking hate Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And if we can do anything to just like skip over that one I'm can shia still be the young action star which just confuse it even more maybe not maybe not anymore because he got all those real chest tattoos for this other <laughs> movie he's filming i don't know if that's the vibe you want that character to have we just have him never take off his shirt <laughs> or we cgi have you seen tattoos? indiana jones he's gonna have his shirt off at least once i mean temple of doom he's pretty steamy. he's shirtless so much in that movie it's it's pretty steamy <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a pretty good answer. We got Indy and a, a couple Honestly, more aliens. I'm really, really liking just like Indy as the title. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm vibing with that. Coming next summer to a theater near you, Indy. It's like a very minimalist poster of like just like... The whip and the hat. Sh- the whip and the hat on the floor. Yeah. And, and then like, like a shadow. Indy. Nice. I'm here for it. And then a couple more aliens has like... <laughs> a couple more aliens. <laughs> has the alien egg, but then it has like four or five more alien eggs behind yeah. it. I love it. All right, Ryan, let's jump into the first trailer that we're talking about today. This is the aforementioned Candyman. Ooh, spooky. Releasing on October 16th, directed by Naya DaCosta, who's previously directed a film called Little Woods, and she was recently contacted to direct the new Captain Marvel sequel. Oh, so we're doing future movies in this segment now. Well, this wow. is because she does, Little, Little Woods was her directorial debut, then she's doing this one, and next is Captain Marvel. So Little Woods must be really good. She doesn't have a lot has... on her plate, but... Um, she doesn't have a lot of stuff in her past filmography, but she but looks people like she's have a rising faith star. In her. Yeah, for sure. That's crazy. She did one movie and now she's doing these giant movies. Way to go. What's her name? Naya? Naya DaCosta. Nice work. Uh, this film stars Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, Tayana Paris, Nathan Stewart Jarrett, Coleman Domingo, and Tony Todd. Cool. Candyman, like we said, is a reboot cool to the original Candyman. horror movie called also Candyman. Um, and it looks like Again, this is another one that is another reboot cool that is taking this edge to like this story has now become like an urban legend. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of lore and myth to it in this neighborhood of people that some believe in Candyman and some don't, and it's kind of leaning into that um, urban legend kind and of that thing. tension of some people are really adamant that it's real and don't want anybody to mess with it. Um, and some people are like, oh, that's total just like pish posh that like could never, that could never be real. And we'll just go in the bathroom and say it five times and we'll be fine. It's also playing into the fact of like race a little bit is what I'm getting from the trailer. Like about gentrification of like these old neighborhoods. And now this like artist is come and he's trying to like revitalize them. But he's also like doing that through revitalizing the Candyman myth. But that's not going to be the best thing for him, it looks like. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot of allegory, I think, to this with, like, gentrification. Because it's, like, focused on this, is an urban legend for the specific neighborhood um, in Chicago. That is, like, the projects and, like, low-income housing, um, which is where, like, this original Candyman incident took place. And this is where people are now, like, the rumors are circulating that this could be happening again or whatever. And Yaya Abdul-Mateen II plays, like, a visual artist who it looks like creates an installment in a museum or something where people are like confronted with mirrors, perhaps summoning Candyman and like, does that's the how you do it or not? You got to be in front of you a say Candyman into a mirror five times. And so it's like, Oh, do you really want to be messing with that type of stuff just for like 
shits and giggles. Our performance, basically. Yeah. Um, and then it looks like his life totally goes off the rails because he, mm-hmm. like, summons Candyman and s- starts being, like, a thing that is, like, attacking mm-hmm. multiple people in the town. And he even seems to be, like, he's confronting and he sees himself as Candyman. Yeah, the longer the trailer goes on, the more it looks like he's transforming into Candyman. Like a Jekyll Hyde Well, I actually think it's a parallel to, like, oh, if I'm the one that caused him to come back, then am I just, like, it's my fault, Mm -hmm. basically, that he's back. And so I'm no better than he is because I'm the one that, like, made people do this thing that has led to them being killed. And it also looks like it's going to connect more to the previous film, um, because like some legacy actors are also appearing in this, they don't look like they have that big of a role. Like just be like, "Hey, don't fuck with Candyman." Yeah. Like, well, but, this is very common, I think, in horror franchises like Final Destination, things like that. They like around the like fourth or fifth installment, they'll bring back like an actor that was in the first like the first movie to be like, "Oh, I I was there when this all went down the first time," and like to be like the word of warning type of person mm-hmm. to like make sh- to tell the protagonist to like stay away from this, and then they go and fucking do it anyway or whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Or they'll give him the trick to like how to defeat them sometimes oh, too. Oh, here I beat him with a silver bullet last time. But how do you even beat Candyman? I mean, like what, like what does that even? I mean, you I... just got to get people to fucking stop saying his name in mirrors. Just take all the mirrors down in Chicago. Put up some, like, <laughs> curtains. I don't know. I mean, I've seen the original Candyman, but I don't remember how it ends and how they beat him. <laughs> I just remember being freaked out by all the bees and i'm glad they're bringing yeah, the bees, bees are a big thing and then the whole like shtick of Candyman is he appears but like only in the mirror so like you'll mm-hmm. be getting like dragged across the floor but you won't see him like in real life only in the mirror mm-hmm. and they do a couple cool gags with that like in the trailer we can see like somebody being pulled through the museum and every time they pass a window you like see the shadowy figure of Candyman, but then you don't see him actually dragging mm-hmm. the physical person like i don't cool. remember that being part of the original movie but it probably was. I just don't have a good memory of the original movie. I just remember, like, bees in a trench coat, and that was scary. Um, it's a pretty cool gag. I like it a lot. The, a lot of the the visual ways so far in the trailer that we see Candyman, like, being portrayed, I think, are very, very cool. And I'm excited. I think they do a lot to kind of build the tension and the fear in this film. Yeah. And I'm excited for the lead actor they've cast, too. Because he was great in the Watchmen uh, HBO miniseries. Yes. Um, and I think he does, like contemplative very well and like even like transformative like being a different like spoilers for the Watchmen show he's not always the same character he is at the yes. beginning of the show um and i think we already see traces of that in the trailer for candy man like at the beginning he's kind of talking very like wide-eyed and excited about this project and like oh i love this neighborhood so much and i've always been like interested in the history and the legacy and he's talking like kind of excitedly about Candyman, but then by the end of the trailer all of a sudden it's like all that life is sucked out of him and he's just confronted with like super like gnarly fucking like dead bodies and shit that he is that like he may be killed totally he doesn't know seeing like destruction and of like people that he cares about people in the neighborhood and we can see that just like getting sucked out of him and that like total distress that he's encountering yeah so, so i don't I mean, know i think he'll have a very good performance in this definitely and this movie is also being produced by Monkey Top Paw Productions, Jordan Peele. So, like, he's done so much for modern horror, especially, like, black horror. So yes. this seems like a perfect fit for that production studio. And if Jordan Peele has faith in this director, Naya... Um, so do I. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm very excited. If this movie comes out when it's planned to on October 16th, I will probably be in the theater as soon as possible to watch this movie. I'm very, very excited for it. But... I gotta freaking watch the original on Netflix still. <laughs> is it on Netflix? I think it is. I think I looked it up. I'm pretty sure it's on there. I'll go rewatch it just to refresh my mind more than just bees in a hook. Because <laughs> that's what anyone knows about Candyman. Well, but... while you're on Netflix in October <laughs> watching Candyman before the, the reboot cool comes out, you could also watch Who Be Halloween starring Adam Sandler. Ooh. That's the next trailer we're talking about Perfect. today. This is a Netflix original halloween mystery comedy film starring adam sandler and if you think that sounds kind of ridiculous you are probably correct (laughs) it'll hit netflix on october 7th and is directed by stephen brill who's done some classic comedy films with the likes of adam sandler and david spade like heavyweights mr deed sandy wexler jobit taylor it stars adam sandler kevin james julie bowen maya rudolph steve buscemi and tim meadows this is like a lot of comedic like actors that I respect a lot, like Julie Bowen, Maya Rudolph, and Tim Meadows, with like 
the likes of Kevin James, Adam Sandler, and Rob Schneider that I'm just like, why are you still well, making movies? It's weird like, because it's like, have, like some of them are like so revered, in my opinion, some are just like so hit and miss. I'm like, why are you all in this movie together? It, the, well, it's the Venn diagram <laughs> of people that are friends with Adam Sandler because uh, he has his okay. SNL friends, his SNL friends, and then, and then his, he has like, his like, grown up friends. friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's like, let's all come together and make. Halloween comedy. Tim Meadows and Maya Rudolph are the best part of this trailer for me. I think Tim Meadows is so funny. There's a couple good Adam Sandler gags. And, and to me, what this looks like, I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to be a great groundbreaking comedy film. Like the likes of like Game Night that came out, Ooh. which I thought was like one of the best comedies I'd seen in theaters in a long, long time. Exactly. Um, but it does look like a cheesy, campy, fun Halloween movie, well, which I love because I love Halloween as a holiday and like, any movie where they're just displaying Halloween as being, like, a fun community holiday, I'm, like, super into. Like, Hocus Pocus or, like, any of those, even if they're not, like, great movies on the surface, I'm like, this is just so fun and it gets me in the mood to, like, have a fun Halloween. I feel like Netflix is the perfect place for this. Like, just pop it on, like, pause it if you want, like, turn it off if you're, like, over it. It seems like, like a great movie to just, like, have running, like, on Halloween night while you're passing out candy or something, you know? Yeah, if you're not wanting to get too spooked, if your scaredy yeah, blanket I'll is maybe like this, in the washing Hocus machine. Pocus, like, I mean, I love horror movies, but I also love the, like, campy family yeah. so, Halloween movies, too. We've talked a lot about, like, the tone of this trailer, but we haven't really said what this movie actually <laughs> is. So there's this guy named Hoobie, and he's played by Adam Sandler. <laughs> is that even a name? Is, this, is it, like, a shortening of Hubert? I have no I clue. I have no idea. They act, they go through the whole trailer acting like this is like a normal name for a person to have. And I'm sitting here like, I've literally never met a fucking Hubie in my life. Is it Hubie or Hoobie? I don't know because Adam Sandler has this ridiculous speech impediment as this character. He like puts on a funny voice. I don't know why. Like, what's the point? Like, I'm Hoobie and I talk like this. I think they couldn't decide how it's supposed to be pronounced. So they just gave him that voice so that we can <laughs> never really know like... What was supposed to be pronounced? You like? can't tell by the spelling either. Could be either. But anyway, Hubie Hubie is this like town freak weirdo guy who's always calling. He's wolf. like a person that loves his community and loves Halloween, even if the community and Halloween don't love him back. Yeah, but he's also like looking out for them. Yeah, and like every he wants year... to take care of everyone, but mm-hmm. they kind of mistreat him because he's kind of seen as like. Mm-hmm. Oh, a loser. Like, Tim Meadows and my Rudolph are, like, people that have known him since, like, they were in school together. And they're like, wow, it's so crazy that he's been a loser even since, like, we were in high school together. Mm-hmm. So he's just that guy that never broke out of that mold of, like, being, like, the outcast from high school. And he's just kind of always been that way in his community. Yeah. But he's also, like, looking out for them and he's calling the cops, like, any chance he gets. He's like, the, they're selling expired bacon at the counter store. And the, Kevin James, the cop, is like, shut up, Hoobie. You're stupid. And, Ke- and Keenan's his deputy, who's like, I don't know, this guy. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the vibe I'm That's getting. like the total vibe of the movie, just in general. <laughs> this guy over here. So then, when things actually take a turn for the worst, and people actually get, like, abducted and murdered, and, and Hoobie's... Steve Buscemi tr- is, like, acting all weird, like a creepy little yeah. gremlin or when something. When things are actually happening, and Hoobie's noticing it, and he calls the cops. They hung up like, on him. This is Hoobie? Fuck you. Hang on. <laughs> they don't say that in the trailer. <laughs> they basically do. Film. <laughs> That's their one F word. It's a good Keenan performance, honestly. It's just like, he's at the paper, he's at the desk doing paperwork. The phone rings, he picks it up, hears Hoobie's voice, and just like, emotionless, just like, cl- sets it back <laughs> down. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so that's the premise of the movie, is like, Nobody wants to be on Hoobie's side, but then Hoobie's on all of their side. And Hoobie's trying to, you know, race against the clock to protect his town. And Julie Bowen seems like she actually is one of the people that, like, does care about Hoobie. And, like, is on his Mm -hmm. side. Yeah, like, she might be the romantic interest. Because, you know, Adam Sandler always, like, has that one girl that's out of his league that, like, somehow ends up with him (laughs) at the end of the movie every time Adam Sandler's in the movie. Um, But, anyway... That's the tone and vibe and, like, premise of this trailer. It definitely doesn't look like it's going to be the worst Adam Sandler movie ever made. No, I mean, you can't beat, what, <laughs> Pixels? Or... The Ridiculous Six. Like, Ooh, I forgot about that, that one. That has the elusive 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. Just, like, rough, rough, rough. <laughs> rough, rough, rough? Good dog. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, Tyler, we have to do one of our favorite things to do when we have a comedy trailer. Which is, what was your favorite joke oh, in this trailer? Oh my gosh, and I already gave it away with the, uh, oh, is the phone? up. Well, that's a good one. I mean... My favorite is, uh, he goes to like Maya Rudolph, and he's like, something's ba- something bearish happening. And she's like, what, you lost your thermos? And he's like, 
that would never happen. And then he like has a what like a retractable grappling hook, like it's attached to his thermos, and he can he like, like throw his thermos, and it comes, and then, like, back, comes back. To him. I think it's so funny. It's I don't so know funny. why he's just like that would never happen. I'm Hoobie, and I've got a retractable thermos. I don't know why he's got this accent. It's so weird. Like just <laughs> hearing you try to do the voice just makes it just so much weirder. I just don't know. So, is your favorite the Keenan phone joke? It's gotta be. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Cool. There's also, like, it looks like there's, like, this, this like, group of teenagers that are partying that Hoobie's also trying to protect, and, like, one of the girls randomly, and there's, like, just as Billie Eilish, so I thought was kind of, <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> just, like, the, the costumes they're choosing. So, there's not, like, another Freddie Mercury and, like, just some random, like, yeah. pics on, like, why are these kids dressed? Like, it's like, what? People at Adam Sandler's generation would think kids today would dress up as. <laughs> <laughs> but then, I don't know. Also, another one of my favorite jokes in the trailer is just anytime it cuts to Tim Robbins and Tim Robbins does anything, I just laugh. I don't Tim know. Meadows. Tim Meadows. Oh, Tim Meadows. I'm so sorry, Tim Meadows. I didn't mean to disrespect you like that. Tim Robbins is a great actor, <laughs> but they're different people. <laughs> I love Tim Meadows. I love Tim Robbins, but... I laugh more at Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows like barely says anything in the trailer. There's one part where he's just like evil cackling in his and car. It's so I have funny no idea what, it, what he does, but yeah, it's great. Um, but yeah, like I said, this definitely doesn't look like it's gonna be the worst Adam Sandler movie. I think it'll just be like kind of a fun family comedy Halloween movie, which I'm into. So I'll, I'll watch it maybe. Yeah, like it's good fodder on TV when I'm looking for a Halloween movie. I mean, I'm more likely to watch this than I don't know. The one and only Ivan. Oh, yeah. For Sorry, sure. Ivan. Um, if you're okay. waiting for that review roundup, it may never happen. <laughs> Speaking of not Adam Sandler's worst performance, though, we do need to play a game. We need to do it. And I think the best game for us to play right now would be the one that I've already prepared and we've already talked about, which is Adam Sandler Rotten Tomatoes over under 33. Here's how it works. I've picked six movies that Adam Sandler has starred in. Mm. I'm going to read them to you, just the titles, and you're going to have to tell me if that movie has a Rotten Tomatoes aggregate critic score, not the user score, because those are bullshit. <laughs> like, so many of these have high user scores, even though they're terrible movies. You can't trust the users because there are some people that just love Adam Sandler and they'll give a high user score to anything that they, like, chuckle that when, like, they made a fart joke or whatever. Pixels, 10 out of 10. <laughs> it goes into the best movies of all time. But, yeah. If they have, if this film has an average critic, critic score of thirty three percent, you're gonna have to tell me if it's over or under thirty three percent. Okay, and this there's is none hard of them that are equal. No, I okay. picked, I okay, didn't pick good. any that are equal to thirty three, just to avoid that, that conflict. Yes, I was I was gonna just guess all of them were thirty three. <laughs> and this is hard because thirty three, like you could be just over thirty three and still be rotten. Like it still could be a oh, bad movie. Definitely, but like so you're not like this would be different i think this would be maybe an easier game if we were just doing like fresh or rotten totally but this is very specific if it's over or under 33 the reasoning for picking 33 percent is of course it's just a random number of course i, you had <laughs> I was like we just made up this number i don't know what you're going <laughs> all right ryan are you ready to play adam sandler over under rotten tomatoes 33 that's the name of this game yes I am. But when this becomes a full-length television game show, it's got to be like a really long title in the <laughs> And TV then when spot. it's actually uh, a TV show, we get Adam Sandler to host it, but he has to do it in the Hoobie <laughs> voice. No, we're not okay, let's Ubi go. It's Hoobie Halloween time. <laughs> not in the voice. We'll, we'll also make our guesses if Hoobie Halloween will be over or under 30, 33%. Ooh, our predictions. <laughs> I'm going to say over. I think it'll be over, too. Yeah. I have faith. It's not hard to get over 33. I mean... Honestly, I think most of Adam Sandler's movie might have been under 33 on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Maybe it's hard for we'll Adam Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, the first movie is You Don't Mess With the Zohan. Oh, Zohan? You know this one. Adam Sandler's like a hairdresser that's like a former Israeli like special yeah, and forces person. Like the poster is like him like with a hair dryer. dryer. Okay, I remember this movie. Everyone thought it was like the funniest thing in middle school. Which makes me think that it's a bad movie. Because <laughs> middle schoolers love it. Um, I'm going to say this one is under 33%. It's over, but what? only by a few points. This one has a 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. With the average critic rating being a 4.65. Still bad. 
That's out of 10, right? Yes. Okay. Not out of five. That's so bad. <laughs> All right, Ryan. The next film is Grown Ups. Not oh. Grown Ups 2, but the first installment in the Grown Ups series. This is where, like, what? Adam Sandler, Kevin James, David Spade, and Chris, Chris Rock. Rock are They just, go on like, vacation for fun. Family, friends. Yeah. Well, it's just they go on vacation, and then they say some funny lines, and they make it a movie. Not, you know, art or anything like that. Hmm. This movie is above 33%, but not much. It's still rotten. This is under only 11% of Rotten Tomatoes, with the average critic rating being a 3.38. Ooh. Rough stuff. Rough stuff, folks. All right, let's go over to the animated genre, shall we? How about Hotel Transylvania? Oh, that's above 33. Okay, do you want to guess by how much? I feel like it's like close to fresh, if it's not fresh. Like, it's in the 50s or 60s, is my guess. It has a 44. Oh, I was a little... You're, you're oh. correct, because this game's only over-under. That was uh-huh. just a that was a side uh-huh. bet, which wow. you lost. But you're correct. It's over 33%. It's a 44, with the average rating being a 5.35. I thought Hotel Transylvania was fine. I saw the first one. And I they, didn't see either of them. There's I three remember. of them now. Oh, I thought there was two. No, the third one is... I don't remember what the second or third one scored. Okay, so the first one is obviously just the classic it's meet probably all the, the monsters. The second one's about, like the grandson like his daughter has a son okay and then the third one is about them going they're on, on like a cruise, cruise. Yeah, yeah okay and a, they're that. making a fourth one. Oh my gosh and i think there's like a tv show on nickelodeon about them or something is adam sandler doing the show i don't think so <laughs> all right ryan how about i now pronounce you chuck and larry this Ooh. you know the classic film adam sandler kevin james make fun of gay marriage is it kevin james i'm pretty sure i thought it was larry the cable guy for it's some not reason. larry the cable guy <laughs> Um, well, but it, it was funny to a lot of people back then because, you know, gay was funny, you know, we were living in pre, you know, woke times. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say because it was the time period it was, people aren't going to think it's as bad as they would if they watched it now. So I'm going to say it's over 30%. It's under oh fifteen percent. Homophobia is never Average good. Three point six. Homophobia is bad always. Well, but also I should have known. Like, I, people can just continue to rate like movies on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, but like, usually like a majority of the critic ratings come in when the film comes out. Yes, that's true. But I know that like sometimes they trickle in. Like Veronica and I were looking at the Rotten Tomatoes scores for Mamma Mia two. Oh, here we go again. Well, yeah, that was still recent. And there was, but there was. There was reviews that were being published like in 2020, and that movie came out in like 2017 or 2018. Maybe these and people... I'm like, were they just in quarantine? Like, hmm, never got around to that Mamma Mia two review. Guess I'll guess I'll <laughs> knock that one out while I'm at home. Well, I know a lot of reviewers are just like, hey, I'm gonna review movies that like came out before I started reviewing movies <laughs> because there's no new movies yeah. coming. Out. <laughs> that makes sense, I guess. All right, two more. I don't remember. Let's see. I don't remember. I think I've gotten one right. I think I only got Hotel Transylvania right. We'll hear it on the tape. (laughs) The tape. (laughs) When this ends, I'll just say, you won or you lost, and then I'll just edit out whichever one doesn't end up being true. Okay, perfect. And I'll have to give both reactions. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 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 And what's a winning score? More than half? More than 33%. I can't do that math. Okay. <laughs> I can't. It's really easy. I just gotta get a calculator. <laughs> Ryan, while you're calculating, think of this next one. This is the Water Boy. This is a classic oh, Adam Sandler. It's above film. thirty. Do you want to know? Do you want to guess by how much? Uh, twelve. It's a, over by twelve points. Yeah. So it has like a forty-five. Yeah. It has only a thirty-five. Whoa. Very slight. I haven't above. seen Water Boy, but I know a lot of above. people like it. Okay, I figured it out. Thirty-three percent. Of six questions, I have to get 1.98 right. Okay, so if you get... We'll call it... Round it to two. I think I've already gotten two right, though. Oh, so now we don't have to do that gag where we edit boy and with Hotel Transylvania. Perfect. Okay. Maybe yeah. I have to get the other 30. The, the... What is it? Okay, instead we'll do six reactions with either you've got all six right, you got all five <laughs> right, you got all four right. That's too much work, and you're not going to take the time to edit <laughs> all not, that. I'm not... I've just already won. I'm so ecstatic. Okay, we gotta do one more. We gotta do one more. For posterity. Go back to the animated franchise. Not franchise. World. Yeah, sure. Eight Crazy Nights. Oh, um, it's a classic Hanukkah. Adam Sandler 
That's above 33. It's under 33. What? Only 12%. Then why do they always air it on, like, Nick at Night? Because it's, like, one of the only Monica movies. Oof. Wow. Well, Ryan, I think you won. I got over 33% right. Yay! Yay! Okay, now let's do the other one. Ryan, I think you lost this game. I couldn't even get 33% right. Aww. Alright, perfect. <laughs> we'll find out in the editing bay which one of those reactions was true. We're getting, we're getting both in. This is too much of a gag at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much editing. <laughs> Alright, yeah, we don't edit this podcast. We don't have an <laughs> editing intern. We don't get paid for this shit. <laughs> Speaking of getting paid, let's move on to our third trailer of this episode. This is a film called Kajillionaire. <laughs> this film comes out on September 25th. It's directed by Miranda July, who has previously directed films called Me and You and Everyone We Know, as well as The Future. Never, Never heard, heard of either them. of these. They might be good. This movie looks pretty special, though. I'm excited for this one. It looks like it's going to get above a 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I hope so. 34 or better. Let's go. <laughs> this film stars Evan Rachel Wood, Richard Jenkins, Deborah Winger, and Gina Rodriguez. Gina Rodriguez is a kajillionaire. <laughs> um, what it looks like this movie's about is Evan Rachel Wood is being raised by her parents, played by Richard Jenkins and Deborah Winger, uh, to be like a third of their... Um, heist team. Well, but they're not like big heists. Not like, like skimmers. They're sca- like low level scammers. Yeah, he says the dad in this trailer says most people want to be cajillionaires. They want like enough money to do whatever they want. Uh, or I think he's referring to like people that do like heists. They want to make like a ton of money at one time and then just like live large. He says we prefer to be skimmers. We want to take like a little bit of money here and there and just kind of skate by, like just enough to like to not get caught. But also just enough to live. Yeah, it looks like they're not, they're like, not even, like, they're making less money than they would if they just, like, did a regular job. Yeah. Like, Like, they're barely making enough money to survive by, like, doing as little work as possible and just focusing on, like, scamming people for, like, very small increments of money. Or, like, avoiding paying, paying their rent and living in, like the back office of like an industrial washer place or something like that. Like they live in this place where like all these bubbles like seep through the walls because they like live in a bubble factory or something like that. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening with the bubbles. Um, But then Gina Rodriguez shows up. Gina Rodriguez meets up with Evan Rachel Wood and kind of like is a really good companion and partner to her and shows her like a love that her parents have never shown Mm -hmm. her. Her parents always have treated her, Evan Rachel Wood, as part of the team but have never been like very parental or like loving figures mm-hmm. in her life. And Gina Rodriguez is kind of showing her that she deserves more than just like to be treated mm-hmm. like and a tool for this like scam team. Yeah. And it's not necessarily like a romantic love. It's just like, I care about you as a person love, which, yes. which is like makes it even more tragic that she's not getting that from her parents. Yes. And so Ever Rachel Wood's performance looks absolutely incredible in this movie. She's putting on a weird accent too. She just has like a deeper voice. Like yeah. she's just very Well, like, she's not hooby, but she's reserved. not it's not herself. like a weird accent. It's just like I think to show that she's kind of like she's very like resigned. Like mm. very, very like an introvert, like kind of person because like her whole thing that she's been brought up to do is to like blend in mm. and to not stand out and not get caught. And so it's very much like she's that kind of person that like is very reserved and Gina yeah. Rodriguez is like trying to like not bring her out of her shell, but, like, just show her more affection mm-hmm. and care than, like, her and, parents like, have always just, that, like... like, there's more to the world than this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Like, an awakening, kind of, but, like, she's already in her late 30s, so, like, yeah. it's weird that she's still doing this and she hasn't realized this by now, and yeah. Gina Rodriguez is noticing this and, like, trying to, like, open her eyes. Yeah. I think the performances in this film look absolutely outstanding. I, I, I loved everything I saw in the trailer from Gina Rodriguez, from Evan Rachel Wood, uh, from Deborah Winger and from Richard Jenkins. And I think also visually, like, there's just some really cool shots that kind of remind me of, like, Wes Anderson style, like, wider frame, lots of, like, symmetry, mm-hmm. like, kind of, and, like, let the characters, like, come on, come in and out of frame. It's not, like, a lot of, like, jumbled cuts and stuff like that. Like, uh-huh. I, I really think the cinematography in this trailer was... has uh, kind of pulled me into to the, like, the tone of the story because it's one of those sort of, like, avant-garde, quirky... Mm-hmm comedy drama type things that's interesting that you thought of wes anderson while watching this trailer like who's all like super neat and stuff like that well i watched this trailer and i thought this looks a lot like an alma harrell film which Mm. isn't like they're kind of like 
opposing like viewpoints of how to direct a film. So it's interesting that like you can see that one perspective and I can see a different one and we're both watching the same thing. So maybe that's like really cool that she's bringing elements of both of those styles into her film. Yeah. And very stylistic. Like I'm like I'm saying like with like the it looks like they live like I said in the back office of like some sort of like industrial washing washing facility and there's like this cool shot of like the very plain office beige wall with like very very pink pink bubbles like seeping through Soapy. the cracks and like pouring down the wall mm-hmm. but it kind of also like is that's just visual storytelling that doesn't really like make sense logically like i don't know what would happen in a facility like that to cause that to happen yeah um it's maybe more of just like um like imagery and metaphorical type of thing even if it doesn't make like logical sense for that to be the way that those bubbles are bubbles are behaving exactly you know what i mean like that the the visual storytelling is not dependent on being like factual and literal to like what's mm-hmm. happening and is more just like a visual interpretation of style and tone and theme. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something this trailer does really well is get like those points across that this is a stylistic choice, like kind of movie, like things are going to be made because that's the style we're going for. And this is the tone that I want to set. And it's like relating to the themes I want to get across in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited for this one. I, this just kind of popped up on like an Instagram ad and I had never really heard of it before. And I was totally totally sold yeah i hadn't heard of this until two days ago when you texted me the trailer and i was like oh this is cool because you know we have a trailer podcast and texting someone a trailer is something we do (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think if you go back like all the links we set each other it's a lot of like just like movie trailer like announcement articles or links to the trailers on youtube and stuff like that it it has consumed our lives please help we can't stop now Cajillionaire. I'm here for it. The other director I thought of, and uh, tonally, I would just pull this uh, throw this out there, is like a Bong Joon Ho type of thing, mm. like a very like, it's like a narrative on class, but it's maybe like a lot of the a lot of the themes are less like in the literal plot and more in the like way the story is told visually, um, and especially Parasite and also his Netflix film Okja, felt kind of had this cool like comedy drama balance to them, mm-hmm. which it feels like this one will as well. Yeah, very cool. Well, speaking of comedy drama, Death on the Nile. I don't think it's a comedy drama. <laughs> I don't either. I tried. You were doing so well at the transitions. I had to live up to it, but I couldn't do it. I'm not working today. Let's just move on to our final trailer. This movie is Death on the Nile. It comes out October 23rd. It's directed by Kenneth Branagh. He did the other one, Murder on the Orient Express. And it's a sequel. stuff. Thor. Uh, yeah, you know, we talk about him a lot on this podcast, which is weird. He's like, it seems like either in terms of him acting or directing, we like bring him up a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Fresh off his take as the villain and tenant, he's here directing Death on the Nile. It stars himself, uh, Tom Bateman, Annette Bening, Russell Brand, Gal Gadot, Army Hammer, Letitia Wright, and like so many more. Total ensemble cast. Ensemble alert. Ensemble alert. We got an ensemble movie playing here, boys. This is another installment, like we said, sequel to Murder on the Orient Express. It's another adaptation of an Agatha Christie mystery novel that centers on famous detective Hercule Poirot, played by Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh himself. Um, I don't know much about the chronology of the books. Like, does this one in chronology, like Hercule Poirot chronology, come after well, Murder on the Orient Express? Is it just like, does it not really have? I don't a think it really matters. Honestly, like he's, I think, he's still a world-renowned detective yeah. from whatever, and this is a crisis that happens on like a riverboat that's mm-hmm. on the Nile River in Egypt. Um, somebody dies. It looks like by like a snake being like a venomous snake being like mm-hmm. planted in their belongings, and they get bit and die. Yeah. But they're like, this isn't just any other any yeah. average snake bite. This is a murder. He and suspects so to, like, foul play. Quarantine everyone on the boat and ooh, quarantine ooh, too Nile soon. edition. <laughs> Keep everybody on the boat and. Figure I will, out. I will deliver who the murderer is. Yeah, and this looks very much some like like Murder on the Iron Express. Like it's a whole bunch of all star casts, and Kenneth Branagh's there, and he's gonna like delve into each of their psyches mm-hmm. and figure out like that process of elimination. Basically, yeah. is how he did in Murder, like why they are not the murderer or why they are the murderer. Well, in the case of Murder on the Express, no spoilers. <laughs> we promised that to somebody one time. We gotta keep that promise. Well, at least we're not spoiling any of the movies that were like the four trailers. That's true. We couldn't even spoil Candyman, the original. I don't know how it ends. Um, Murder on the Orient Express. This will be interesting to see Death on the Nile because Murder on the Orient Express, I went in knowing the like 
resolution. Like, I knew the answer mm-hmm. because I'd seen other adaptations of that story before. Death in the Nile, I've never heard, never heard of, never read, never seen anything well, about it. It's so, had another adaptation, like, in the 80s with the murder. Yes, it's been adapted before, but I've just, I've seen stuff, more, I've seen Orient Express before, I've never seen Death on the Nile before. I'm more familiar with Death on the Nile. So, I'm very interested to see, because this will be, like, a total blank slate for me, mm-hmm. um, and I think that'll be more um, exciting uh, to kind of see how mm-hmm. the mystery unravels. And, like, Kenneth Branagh is kind of a hit or miss director, but I really liked Murder on the Orient Express. I think, like... The tone is fun and it works well. Literary adaptations very well. Mm-hmm. All of his Shakespeare adaptations are really good. <laughs> I got the Christie. He's in it. I got the Christie. He's in it. Comic book adaptation Thor. Mm. Well, he he literally adapt. Er, <laughs> Artemis Fowl was a literary adaptation. Scratch uh, that one. There's that's a that's a production failure. <laughs> it, it kind of is. It's interesting to look into the history of Artemis Fowl because it's like a completely different movie at one point in its life. But Death in the Nile, I, I'm really interested in. I think. Like, Murder on Orient Express, I loved the performances. I felt like what mm-hmm. I was missing was I knew where it was going. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like with Death on the Nile, I'll get more of that excitement watching the mystery unfold without knowing going into mm-hmm. it. That's what I loved about Knives Out. And I, I just don't know if after seeing Knives Out, if this movie will, like, will I enjoy this one like I did Knives Out because I liked watching the, another mystery movie? Or will I be like, mm, it was good, but it feels kind of, like, archaic. Mm-hmm. Well, compared to like a, a more recent success like mm-hmm. Knives Out, where it's modernized and it feels fresher. I think I still am excited for this because I am excited for another like mystery movie. We don't get a lot of those anymore, and like even though like it's coming after Knives Out, which is like an original mystery movie set in the modern day, like they can't all be Knives Out. We need the Agatha no. Christie adaptations to be there, so the sweet, sweet juices of Knives Out taste even yeah. sweeter. Well, and without Agatha Christie, we don't get Knives Out. Like, this That's is true. Very, like, Knives Out was very much based on the history of mystery novels and films and adaptations that have been done before, mm-hmm. including Death on the Nile. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm excited to see this one because I think, even if it's not, even if it doesn't take place in modern day, it's still a modern, adaptation. produced adaptation mm-hmm. of this very classic story. And it's got a whole bunch of actors that we like. And I think with the actors that are in it, the performances will absolutely kind of carry the film mm-hmm. um, because I think that's what you need in a mystery film. It's it's not like, you know, the action sequences aren't action sequences. It'll be like chasing somebody down a train or like around a boat or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to be a huge thing. Yeah. It's got to be these like intimate uh, interrogation conversations in a room sitting across from each other delivering monologues. That's what, that's what drives the story forward in these types of films. Mm-hmm. And so that's what needs to carry this film. Yeah. And I'm excited... Uh, her like Kenneth Branagh's Hercule Poirot is like just the right level of camp that it needs to yeah, be. Yeah, it's like this like to be fun, be French accent, and but serious. he's still like serious mm-hmm. in his like the way that he like moves his body and face. Like, <laughs> like he's doing it one hundred percent straight, which makes it fun for the audience. Yes, yes, exactly. Like he knows it's hokey and cheesy, but he's playing it straight. Because he knows that's more yeah. enjoyable. In the context of the film, everyone's like, oh my gosh, he's such a serious man. Mm-hmm. But for the context of the audience, it's like, oh my god, who's just like Jean Clouseau, Jacques Clouseau sounding like motherfucker that's like <laughs> acting like he's the hottest shit in the world. <laughs> and I love his mustache. It's like top 10 movie mustaches for me. But yeah. Another question I had though about this movie is it like, can you see the pyramids? from the Nile like is that possible like geographically because they show that and I'm like the Nile's so long that like I could believe it but like I've never heard of that before I think it depends on how close the Nile runs to the pyramids but also how big the pyramids are like Mm. I have no physical concept of how big the pyramids are in person because I've only seen photographs of it well they're like I don't really know Mm. how big they are compared to like other like architecture that's true true We've like, it could be, like, it. a thing where you can see it from, like, miles away. I don't That's know. True. Like, the MRS yeah. State Building. Or, like, the Great Wall of China. <laughs> yeah. Like, that myth that you can see it from space. You can't see it from space. I've seen pictures of Earth from space, and I don't see the wall. Whoever told me that was a liar. But I want to know, is Kenneth Branagh lying to me? Can I see the pyramids <laughs> from the Nile? Or maybe maybe it's, like, a different sequence. Maybe a sequence takes place at the pyramid, and then they're like, oh, oh. let's go over here to the boat. And they, like, travel Okay, to okay. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out on October 23rd. 23rd. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's interesting that this is coming out in October. Are they trying to brand it as, like, a spooky-ish Well, kind of it's thing? a murder. It's like death on the Nile. Like, you know, it's your uh, thinking man's, like, murder mystery yeah. movie. If you're too uppity for 
Hoobie yeah. Halloween. This is the type of film that's like gonna sell out all its like matinees because that's when all the like Ooh. sixty and seventy year old couples go to the. Movies. I'd go see this movie and then, at a like, matinee. The like nine p.m. showings will be like Candyman, mostly empty. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, Tyler, as we mentioned, this is another Agatha Christie adaptation. You know, she's written so many books. She died writing books. I don't know if that's true. She died while writing a book. Don't look it up. <laughs> um, I mean, she died and then. In 2014, she published another book. How'd she do that? But there's been so many of these books. And the titles are so similar. Like, there's Murder on the Orient Express, Death on the Nile. Death and murder, they're synonymous at this point. Because we know it's a murder mystery, so we know the death is a murder. So you could have called it Death on the Orient Express, but no. Or Murder on the Nile. Exactly. So, we're going to play a game, Tyler. I have gone through and looked at... All of the titles that Agatha Christie has published, and I've omitted all of the racist ones. And we will be playing a game where I give you six titles. And they may or may not be Agatha Christie titles. They may just be titles I made up to sound like Agatha Christie titles. Mm. You'll never know until I tell you. Strangulation on... On the Subaru. I don't think Subarus existed (laughs) in the same time. Strangulation in the Subaru. If you're a murder mystery... Modern murder. Agatha Christie adaptation. There you go. <laughs> Agatha <that's>... Christie Brebuquel. <laughs> this is Hercule Poirot. He's... Now he never dies. Hercule Poirot is like a James Bond character. He can just keep getting... Perfect. Moved. It's a code name. It's okay. Not his actual but that's name. not the game we're playing. We're playing... I made up some fake Agatha Christie titles and mixed in some real ones. And you tell me which ones are real, real. and which ones are fake. Okay, got it. Let's go. Okay. Number one. Hercule Poirot's Christmas. Fake. It's real. Fuck. <laughs> I thought it was just so funny. That is hilarious. It. I love that. Okay. I want to read it. Number two, Death in the Clouds. Fake. No, it's also real. Damn it. Is this like a... can't be a plane. I don't it's know. It's got to be like a... What is that called? A Zeppelin. Ooh, that'd be fun. Number three, Appointment with Death. Fake. No, it's also real. God damn it. I've just stuck to it now because I gotta believe that you got a fake one coming at some point. Number five. Or no, no, four. number four. A Caribbean murder. Fake. That one's fake. Thank God. You got it right. Uh, number five. They died in Baghdad. Real. Nope, it's fake too. Damn it. So far you got one right. Yeah, fuck. And it's the last one. Here we go. Murder in Mesopotamia. Fake. No, it's real. Damn it! <laughs> That was hard. You're good at fake ones. I only made up two fake ones. The the rest were real. Yeah. Oh my god, they all sounded fake. That's why I kept guessing fake. The fake ones were only a Caribbean murder and they died in Baghdad. Everything else was real. A death in the clouds? She wrote it. Well, not. Murder in Mesopotamia? You can check it out at your local library. Not my best preview review game performance. I'll it's okay. You much, didn't folks. get a total uh, wipeout, so that's good. No, I put up a fight. It just wasn't a very good one. No, you. but you got one punch in. It's like, you know how they say you got some licks in? You only got one in. I got a lick. One lick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan. Well, that's our final trailer. But before we go, we, of course, have to sign off the way we always do. Mm-hmm. And By our... forging our names, just like Evan Rachel Wood and Kajillion No, Hare. not signing. Signing off. As oh. in closing out the podcast. Oh. Although, sign off isn't really a thing because it's not like regular radio where we have to like sign off of our time slot. We're and next episode Gina just gonna in end. the morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we have to close the way we normally do where we let our listeners know which trailer we talked about today did we like the most and which movie that we talked about today are we most excited to see. Mm. Okay. This is one of those weeks where my votes are different. A lot of the time, they're the same. I double up, but today I'm splitting it. My favorite trailer was Kajillionaire. But the movie I'm most excited for is Death on the Nile. Interesting. I'm into that murder mystery, Hercule Poirot. Um, let's see. I think for today, I'm also splitting my vote, but I normally do, I think. Yeah, you, you like to split. I'm, I like a single vote Because it's different things to me. Like, a lot of times the trailer that I like the most isn't always the movie I'm most excited to see. Yeah. The trailer I like the most is Candyman. Mm. I love that trailer. I love it. Totally sold me on the film. Um, one of the best things about it is that creepy... Destiny's Child remix that they use of Say My mm-hmm. Name is perfect. Because you gotta say his they name to make job. him appear. 
But the movie I'm most excited to see is Cajillionaire. The trailer I really liked. It's not my favorite because I voted for Candyman. But it did totally sell me on wanting to see this movie when I can. And so I'm very interested. And now that I know it exists because I've seen the trailer, <laughs> we go. Um, I will definitely be seeing this one. Yeah. So congratulations. Miranda July. You have won. Co. This is a this is a first time winner. I've never even heard uh-huh. of a movie she's directed before. And now first time she's on the podcast and she's a winner, baby. And it's like a rare winner where you got a vote from both categories. From and, both posts. And alter, like alternating votes. Yeah. You, you voted best trailer. I voted most movie most I'm most excited. excited to see. So, I mean, that's something. Exactly. Congratulations. Sorry, Hoobie, you didn't get any votes. Hoobie didn't get anything, but I did. I mean, you were included on today's episode, and so that's very something. easily could have just not talked about you. So. That's true. <laughs> like, five minutes before we started, we made the choice. Like, I guess it's Hoobie. Like, we could have just as easily talked about a movie everyone's excited for, like Black Widow, but we're like, nah, Netflix, Congratulations to Cajillionaire. <laughs> Runner-ups are Candyman and Death in the Nile. Hoobie, you're an honorable mention. I mean, yes. I guess that's how we're putting it. Because we mentioned you on the podcast. Honorably. Very honorably. We didn't disrespect Hubie. Except for that stupid accent. And except for when I called him Tim Robbins and not Tim Meadows. Well, that's not Hubie himself. That but was it's Hubie proper. Yes. yes. Sorry again, Hubie. Tim. Both Tims, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know you both listen and I'm going to get very strongly worded DMs that's on Twitter. That's Mr. Robbins and Mr. Meadows to you. I know. All right, if you liked preview review this episode or any of the other episodes you've listened to so far, because this is our 29th episode, Whoa. and there's no way this is the first one you're listening to, but if it is, and you've liked what Every you've episode is someone's first episode, Tyler. <laughs> Please feel free to follow us, subscribe to us, and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. Um, you can also follow us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, at Preview Review. And we look forward to being back in your ears soon with a new episode of Preview Review just around the corner. Yeah, bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.